Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally, and we are your home for F1 racing this side of the pond. And on today's episode, we'll review the Austrian Grand Prix, a.k.a. the Track Limit Grand Prix. And has Checo done enough to slow down the rumor mill? And stay tuned to see how much more ground I lose to Ryan when we revisit our pre-race predictions. Yeah, sorry buddy, but we begin with F1 seemingly unable to let the checkered flag decide race results, Steve. And this is getting a bit annoying, you know, I would say, right? We are, what, this point in the season, we've had at least 25 to 33% of the races have some aftermath post-race at this point. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, George Russell having to hand back his third place trophy to uh, Fernando Alonso. And, you know, I, I think if, if you're a fan of the sport and been a fan of F1 for a while, it's frustrating. And even more so if you're someone new trying to get into the sport, you're, you know, you are very used to seeing the game end and you know the score, you know who won, you, you know what the takeaways are. And instead now we have like this, you know, overtime, but without any action to, to be able to enjoy it and just kind of trying to, you know, refresh Twitter on a day that Twitter doesn't work to get results. Right. And I know other people were complaining about Twitter not working for another reason in the United States because uh, it was the day that Dane Lillard decided that he wanted to out. But um, in this particular instance, Steve, I just think it's like, again, to my a basketball analogy, it's there's probably a lot of this happening race to race because obviously the drivers do it and they don't think anything of it, right? Um, I know some drivers were having some issues with the conditions and their cars and they were doing their best to stay within track limits despite that their best efforts, they were not doing that. But... This is also like the NBA where traveling happens all the time and the refs do not call it enough. And when they decide to start calling traveling all the time, you start wondering, why is this happening? This game is sucky. So here is the, the same instance. Uh, you're seeing people getting multiple penalties post-race because they decided to go back and look at how many people uh, on the track were going outside of race limits and getting their penalties. And... I just remember one thing. It was a Twitter comment on one of the postings about Esteban Ocon's 30 seconds. And they're like, Jesus, was he just driving outside the lines the whole race? And it just made me laugh. But yeah, it just essentially had his own course. Right. It's like to get that much of a penalty post-race, it's like if that's one of the things where track limits kind of bothers me. Like I can understand if we're going to go through an incident during the race and it may take us a while to post race to figure out how we're going to met out penalties but literally you're going through 50 plus laps per racer to see if they went outside the limits enough times to trigger a penalty a time penalty and then a repeat penalty and they don't have a chance it's like hitting someone with a traveling penalty and a turnover and taking two points off the board in a basketball game well after the fact if you had called it during the game people could have overcome it uh, uh, i think strategy would have been different had racers been aware because part of the problem here is that the racers are going around they don't know they're committing a penalty that's the officials fault that they're not letting them know that they're out that their track times are deleted you know what I mean? How are teams supposed to react 
and they're getting punished for it later because the officials didn't do their job. Yeah. And that has been Ryan's Rant. Ryan's Rant today has been sponsored by Crayola. Crayola. <laughs> Color outside the lines. Not a sponsor. Which, which apparently a lot of drivers did. And in fact, I think they're still giving out penalties right now, Steve. The, who knows how many penalties Esteban has at this point. Yeah, FIA seemingly big fans of Daytona USA because they keep giving out time extensions to everybody. Well, I think he at this point he probably got he 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 lapped himself with his penalties well esteban uh this race uh with his i i think he received five total penalties is the most penalized race of all time for a driver beating only let me check my notes here esteban okan (laughs) with four penalties earlier this year um so the man keeps setting limits for himself that he exceeds um you know, I just just to be clear to you know what what is happening, the way that these track limits have been policed has changed in the last two years, and now where different tracks kind of had different rules for what the limits were, they've made it carte blanche that the painted white line on the outside of the track defines the track limit every track every part of the racetrack and if all four wheels of the car go over you've exceeded track limits uh you get three warnings after that warning they give you a black and white flag which essentially tells you the next time you do it you'll get a five second penalty and then two five second penalties gives you a a 10 second penalty the next time you know you uh break the rule and they used to be more lenient, but in that leniency lived a gray area of, yes, I went over the track limits, but I didn't gain an advantage, so it's okay. I'm not getting a warning. I'm not getting penalized. I pass somebody over the track limits. Do I have to give the position back? In that gray area, the teams felt like there was too much uncertainty. And the FIA agreed and said, listen, the track limits are the track limits this way. It's the same rule every racetrack for every driver. My problem with that is if you're going to hold that standard, you need to have a system that's robust enough in place to give you real-time answers for all the drivers who are exceeding it. Because you can't have these things decided after the fact watching the race you saw that okay this person got a warning this person got a warning this person uh, upgraded to a penalty i'm trying to keep notes i'm filling up half a page of a notebook just trying to see what everybody's status is come to find out i'm thinking there's maybe 60 or so times that people get a you know a warning it is closer to 1200 times um that you know or 1200 instances were under investigation it takes them hours after the race to clear it all up that's that's not how you have a functioning sporting event and it's certainly not the way to conduct yourself in a sport where you're trying to grow globally trying to grow in new areas trying to pull in a a fan base and and more money and investment but to to muddy the waters is not the way to do it yeah, I I just think at this point they've been doing so much and what would be theoretically maybe a pinnacle season to ex- promote themselves more, 
build their audience more beyond what it has. You know, they're adding the Las Vegas race this year, the second year of Miami, uh, obviously investing in the American market. Uh, there's talks about maybe bringing on another team. Um, all this opportunity out there. And they're just doing their best to make watching the race really terrible. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, it, and just in general, the weekend as a whole for, you know, open wheel, quote unquote, you know, European racing, you know, you had this race, you know, it wasn't a uh, dull race. It had its moments. Uh, and, you know, the weekend in, in a whole, the sprint race was very exciting, but completely dominated by one driver in Max. He took every available point that he could. Um, there, There's like no competition for who's going to win the driver's championship the Red Bull has more points than seemingly all the rest of the teams put together. They're going to walk away with the Constructors' Championship. You have controversy over track limits after the race over. Um, and then in the um, the Freca series, which is a you know feeder series for Formula One, had a terrible accident where uh, driver Delano Vantoff lost his life in a crash. Uh, there's not too many weekends that are worse off for a sport in general than this. So I, I, you know, some things have to change, you know, on the safety side always, but on the competition side as well. No, you don't like to see a young man um, like him, who I think wasn't even 19 yet, uh, lose his life in a race. Um, And I, I know people were, I didn't get to see it myself, but I know people on Twitter were talking about the racing conditions and whether or not they needed to be racing. Yeah, because um, we, we look back to uh, you know 2021 at Spa, where everyone was like, it was kind of a farce because they just did a couple laps around the safety car because it was it was you know the weather was too bad. Like these are the most experienced drivers in the world, and they said it's not safe enough for them to race. And you have a bunch of kids. 17, 18 years old in the exact same conditions in less safe cars and they let ahead uh, let them go ahead and race in just uh, you know white out rain conditions and it just uh, was a real shame whoever was in charge of you know uh, securing the safety of that race is it the race director or whomever like a lot of this is on them for letting the race continue on in those conditions. And I, I know there's some things you can do to even make that type of racing more safe. I know they're talking about um, reducing the spray. Um, they're putting the ring around the back tire. Where Test, reduce... Testing this weekend at yeah. uh, Silverstone. So, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, not a minute sooner, uh, given the fact, but it it's just interesting to see. But we... I know we don't like seeing the schedule because it is a multi-continent sport, sometimes very tight turnarounds and a lot of money invested in these sites to have races happening. But that's why maybe they should build in more flexibility into the, sh- into the schedule. And as we've talked about earlier in this, uh, uh, in this season of the podcast, talking about making a more you know, streamlined schedule that makes sense so you're not killing yourself driving you're trying to get to multiple continents 
And that would allow you to be like, well, maybe we can race on Monday if the race is rained out on Sunday. Maybe we can race next week and just take this week off. You know, it, I I know it's a high level sport, and a lot of sports are very high level that you can't pull that off. But uh, you know, you're risking people's lives, you're risking quality of the sport when you race under certain conditions uh, because you feel like you have to, I guess. Yeah, and and even in this scenario where. Uh, this accident happened. It, it was the last lap of the race. They they essentially were, uh, you know, un- under safety car conditions, and they decided to go for like one last lap shootout. And like, the, what what's the necessity? Just like I, I know everyone wants to have more racing, but you know, there there's a point where safety has to win out over entertainment. So. Well, we've uh, we've talked about everything that's happened off the track this weekend, literally. Um, but let, let's talk about you know what uh, you know we saw in the race, and you know we'll start with the Red Bull drivers and and Max just continuing to assert his dominance. Yeah, dominance, dominance. I mean, and I think just because it happens this way, I think it's the first time he didn't lead laps in quite a string of of, of races since Miami. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and that's mostly because of pitch strategy. Uh, his his chance of winning the race was never really in threat, and um, so it was nice that he threw a bone to uh, Ferrari. But uh, you know, someone else can lead the race while he you know could fix his tires and do whatever he had to do. But uh, no, I think the more impressive race was Checo. Uh, you know, Max is impressive, but it's it's old hat at this point. He's outpacing the field you hate to see it at 25 he's not really in he's beginning his prime he's got at least another four or five years of his prime so hopefully he'll have the car to you know keep that up so you see a very dominant performance by a very dominant driver but uh checo you know with all the heat on him steve he's uh he kind of had a race to maybe save uh his job i don't know if it's that desperate yet but definitely he's starting to hear the rumors and uh you know uh maybe he put some of that at bay yeah, because I mean the the last four races he had not made Q three, um, but in that time Kevin Magnuson or excuse me uh, Nico Hulkenberg has made it a couple times. Uh, Alex Albon has made it a couple times. If you got Haas's and Williams make it into Q three and you're on the fastest car in the grid by far, you need to be up there somewhere close to your teammate. So yeah, that was a, a lot of chatter heading into this weekend, and it it didn't start off well in qualifying because. He fell victim to track limit uh, issues in qualifying and put himself 15th to start the race. Now, when it came to the uh, the sprint, he qualified second, finished second. Uh, and then in the race, he did a pretty stellar job to make his way through the field, coming up from 15th to third. So, he, you know, Max took home the maximum amount of points, no pun intended, that he could. 34 points was the most he could take from this weekend. He took all 34. Uh, Sergio, you would think as somebody finishing second, the max he could pick up was 25, um, and he ended up with 22. So, you know, aside from Charles beating him out in the race, uh, he did basically everything he could to continue to help the team. Right, and you know, I, I think there were some complaints uh, for a few from a few drivers, and it's been an ongoing complaint 
about qualifying and some people blocking or getting in the way of people trying to put down good times, um, especially when they're in situations where they get their track time deleted because of, uh, of race limits. So, you know, you're, you're running out of time. And then when you think you have a good lap going, you have to kind of abort the lap because someone's in the way. And so I think that happened to Checo here. And I think it might have happened to another driver, at least complaining about where they qualified. So, yeah, definitely, definitely Lewis in the the sprint race qualifying felt like he was impeded by Max. Yeah. And so I think in this instance, you're, you know, maybe his quality, he has had some bad qualifying, but maybe in this instance, he just had some bad luck. And maybe a a hairbinger of what was coming was that these track limit issues. Right. But uh, I think good race. I think a few other drivers who had a good race. uh, Lando had a, a pretty good race around the track. Um, yeah, Lando was definitely stellar. Uh, he did have the upgrades brought to his car, and you know, uh, Oscar didn't quite have the same set of uh, the uh, upgrade package he did. But Lando's considerably more talented, I think, is very fair to say, um, and gets the absolute most out of the car. He was challenging uh, and exceeding the pace of the Mercedes most of the day, and you know. After the the mix-up of the grid, when the uh, penalties were handed out, found himself promoted to fourth. Yeah, and uh, he, you know, did a good job of keeping the car in the race and competitive. Um, definitely showed some pace against some of the the people they're chasing. And yeah, and a key issue here is yeah, maybe he had upgrades that Piastri didn't. But even during the race, they mentioned that uh, you know, there's some of that in play here, but. Definitely Lando is having a good race, and Lando is a talented driver. Um, I would be interested to see, when Piastri makes the upgrades, how much better he is, just at a comparison point, because I do think the upgrades do matter to a certain extent, but I I just want to see if Piastri can be a little bit more consistently in the bottom of the points uh, with it, or or if it's not really that significant of an upgrade. Um, I tell you, as someone I have as a a standout, was Carlos Sainz. you know, it, his results like are, are a little bit murky as far as showing how well he might have really did this weekend. Because uh, ultimately, he's sixth after also getting handed ten seconds worth of penalties at the end of the race. But he he finished the race on track in fourth, had a magnificent three lap battle with Sergio for position, and that battle kind of gave Charles enough. Uh, space to hold his second place. Otherwise, Sergio would have been on the tack. Um, he, you know, finished third in the sprint race. In a lot of the sessions, looked to be as competitive as Charles, if not faster at some points. Uh, so, I, I think it was a standout race for him. I think you know he needed some good results. I don't think he ultimately you know, got the points he was hoping for, but he, he seemed to have a lot better fight as compared to the last couple of races. No, I'm glad that you uh, brought up um, Carlos because I do believe that his great display of, of battling with Checo also had probably the best teammate, you know, move of the day too, was holding up that hard-driving Red Bull and pretty much... At that point, by the time Checo got past him, it pretty much delivered second place to Charles. And so, I, I you know, I, I you don't, I'm sure Carlos would not want to say I had a great day because I helped my teammate 
get second place. He'd probably rather have second place himself. But it's a team sport some of the time. And in this instance, he did a really good job making sure Red Bull wasn't 1-2 and getting good points for his team while driving a heck of a day himself. So I I think Carlos probably not going to get as much love for what happened in the race because of what he ultimately finished. Um, And also because a lot of what he did was secure second place for his teammate. And that's not going to be really seen as a Carlos win. But I think uh, Ferrari looked much better. And, you know, I don't know if they look good enough to, as some people were saying, challenge Red Bull. Uh, It's even coming from Red Bull people. Uh, But they definitely looked a lot better and looked competitive against the other teams that are, you know, racing for second. Yeah, because, you know, at at the end of the day, Max still had time to make an extra pit stop to go for the fastest lap and still win kind of comfortably. You know, he was still a little over five seconds ahead of Charles when it's all said and done. Um, I really, like, either Max did an incredible job with track limits and seemingly, like, nobody else did, uh, but for, for the amount of penalties that were given out and amount of instances that were, you know, uh, investigated, for him to walk away with, like, a single warning I think he had, because he never got to the point of needing a black and white flag either, um, just the cars on rails and he's just unbelievably locked in, yeah, I'm not trying to say people missed things intentionally, but um, it would have been hilarious if he ended up with 10 seconds of penalties and that uh, egotistical, I want to stop and get soft tires for the fast lap came to bite him in the ass. I would have loved that. Yeah, but I think the confidence comes from a natural place. They know they didn't make any mistakes, unfortunately. And and that's the thing, like, I think that car is so well-tuned in and that driver is so well-tuned in that he can drive it well and he can also not have to push himself as hard because he's so far out in front. I mean, like, Checo was close, right? And he was able to get that car around. We saw some cars who had obviously, like, legit reasons as to why they were struggling. I mean, we heard about plenty from Lewis that that car was trash in his opinion and also that the brakes were not good and obviously braking is going to be a huge issue if you're going to be able to be in track limits and i think lando is also while lando was one of the biggest uh the first baby on the uh the tattletale on the radio talking about lewis going outside of the limits uh he also came on and apologized to his team later saying i'm sorry guys uh, i'm doing my best with these track limits the car is kind of giving me some trouble so um, yeah, it gets to my other point, Steve, is that are there any bigger tattletales than F1 drivers? I mean, it seemingly no. I mean, we, we see a lot of times in 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 soccer and in, in basketball, there's, you know, uh, I, I was held, I was fouled, traveled, and, like, there's complaining in the moment to, to the referee, and then, like, it's forgotten about, you know, play later. But, you know, you don't quite get the same access to audio that we get, especially on on both sides of the communication. Uh, But it just seemed constant, this race. There was... (laughs) It seemed to be more audio coming from the cockpits than from the commentators this race. Yeah, you know, and I know there was a little bit of uh, 
perceived dust up with Toto. We we're always looking for tea leaves with Lewis and, and Mercedes, <laughs> but um, but I I got the senses just like Lewis. I know the car is trash. Just drive it, please, and get it to the end of the race. Uh, quit telling me about it on the radio. Um, like I can't fix the trash car. We've got twenty more laps to go. Thirty more laps to go. So. It is what it is, and Toto made a remark. He was just like, "You should hear us talk on the phone and in person if you think that's bad," uh, implying that look, that's just competitiveness. That's our relationship. Who gives? Who gives a damn? You know, it's just it's the heat of the moment. But uh, yeah, I just it, it's Lando, you know, saying like, "Hey, tell the F one officials that." Lewis is going outside the laps. It's Lewis complaining that he's like, if I got a penalty, you should see these other guys around me. Uh, <laughs> it's the Aston Martin uh, team filing the penal, uh, filing the the grievance at the end there. The, right? the ultimate snitch. Yeah, the, the ultimate the, where it's like the we're submitting hey, look, it. Snitch. We have it on good authority. You missed hundreds of missed laps. You know what I mean? So like, it looks uh, like you got to know submitting a like official review uh, or. Uh, with this, uh, an official protest that you need to have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed if you're going to submit that. Um, and I, I think Fernando was just kind of uh, basking in the fact that it was the Alpine drivers that got like the most penalized out of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just, you know, yeah, he, he got to move up a couple positions also, but, you know, just extra uh, warmth in his body that. Esteban got an extra 30 seconds of time added on. Hilarious. I think, you know, it was abundantly clear, you know, Aston stood to gain the most from any penalties coming out because I think two of the major issues that they had were the people in front of them, uh, and they would definitely know if those people, I think they had good unauthoritative notes from the drivers following behind them, um, that they went outside the limits and that would move them up into points ahead. But, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. It's one of those things where I don't want to blame Fernando and Lance and, uh, you know, Aston Martin. Because uh, at this point, how do you miss that many penalties? You, you guys have been giving them that. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, all right, you just didn't really call it this race. You were calling it out a lot, and you still missed a ton of penalties. So how do you miss that many uh, laps going out? And how he goes, it's just it boggles my mind. Uh, either the rule is too strict, or the F one officials are bad, and it's possible that it's both are true. I mean, my point earlier stands. Like I, I like the rule of it's it's very black and white keep the car within the lines it's the same rule for everybody clearly there's some drivers who are able to do it and i think every driver can do it at this level but you might have to be slower to be able to do it um and i know you have to go out there to to get the time my my problem is the enforcement is clearly not up to the standards of the rule well like uh it's kind of the opposite of what people complain about in baseball, which is that is that that rule was handled to the absolute finest of the interpretation of the rule. But it is a dumb rule. 
So like the infield fly rule, things like that, right? This is the opposite. It is a good rule. It is poorly, poorly reft, if you will. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, there there's some tracks where it's not so much of an issue, but there's tracks like here in Bahrain that you know, you just constantly see lap times tumble off the the tower because it's lap time deleted, lap time deleted, lap time deleted. Uh, this track just lends itself to it. If if you go back and look 20 years when Michael Schumacher is going around the track, you you would be apoplectic at the line he takes around here. 30, 40 feet outside the line in turn one, just as wide as absolutely possible because, you know, they didn't police it the same way and that's where you had to go out to get the most amount of time. It was the optimal line to take. But... You, you have to follow and adhere to the rules that are currently in place. Uh, you know, like I said, it, I, I don't want to have different rules for each track. I think there's other things you can do. You can move a, a gravel pit right up to the edge of the track. And it's like, if you want to go wide, it's really going to punish you. You could have a different track material that has less grip just outside the line so it's like you can utilize the curbs if you want to but going out there any further really going to unsettle the car and you're going to have to you're going to pay a price for it but you're going to stay with inside the white lines so help you god and yeah again i more angry than anything is the inconsistency i I like the stuff to happen between the time that the race starts and the race ends, not afterward. Right. But, you know, um, I don't know if this wreaked any havoc on our race predictions, uh, thinking about it, but, I, you know, uh, I know I did pretty well. Uh, and I know we did, did you teased know? how... I know you teased how much you lost ground. Um, but I do promise that I will not take my jinx... Uh, as a way to just build points up on you. I have a plan in place to keep my jinx in play, uh, but also be a little bit more fair week to week. It's okay. I don't want. To, I don't need you to uh, throw any weeks here. Not throwing any weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm picking the best driver who apparently is not going to lose any races because I'm trying to get him to lose, but I'm benefiting from that <laughs> all the same. So it goes... Uh, so I do want to make it a little bit more fair where, you know... I'm not just guaranteeing myself a point every week because you could do the same thing if you wanted to. I'm just I chose to make that my off my route of my route of jinx, but it's not working yet. Yeah, I I think you're starting to understand the you know gambler's fallacy of you actually having input based on what you're betting on. Fair, but also yeah, uh, I think it's mine. I I really don't have the gambler's fallacy. I have the very bad gambler's fallacy like when i bet on something it fails <laughs> <laughs> so taking a look at ryan's predictions uh for the austrian grand prix he said max would win he was correct he said a ferrari would podium and he didn't specify a driver but i'm pretty sure in his mind he was thinking leclerc would be the driver on the podium and he was correct uh, and he also said no points for Nick, and boy, is that probably that's probably a bigger lock of the year than Max winning a race. 
Yeah, I. Uh, Poor Nick. I don't. Hey, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just we we sort of coined a a term that uh, no points Nick a little nickname for him. Uh, <laughs> I nickname. hate that that's going to stick for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, lots of inside jokes and puns. But um, uh, uh, yeah. I just I don't see the points coming, and I know he's under fire. So it's just well, he needs he needs something to happen. He he was given, you know, unofficially to the summer break to to make some kind of impression, which would be, you know, four races from this weekend: the Austrian Grand Prix, British, Hungarian, Belgium. Uh, so his first out of the four, uh, finished seventeenth in the sprint race. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. He finished, yeah, 17th in the sprint race, and he finished 17th in the race race. Uh, and really not competitive at all. Uh, Logan Sargent finished 13th, one of his better races. But, uh, you know, Nick, uh, he he beat his teammate. But, you know, Yuki had some uh, damage. He had to come in, change his front wing. Uh, and, and again, uh, utter lack of any kind of uh, strategy jumble from some kind of event on track. You know, we had Nico Hulkenberg uh, started started the race up in the top 10, had an engine failure after 12 laps, pulled up off the side, actually got a track limit warning for pulling off with an engine failure, which was hilarious. But he was the only retirement, and he only brought out a virtual safety car for about a lap and a half. So, again, just uh, bulletproof reliability, no safety cars, and you're not going to get a, you know, mixed-up result without, you know, some unforeseen events like that happening. So, uh, that is three full points for Ryan. Thank God we don't have a point for fastest lap. (laughs) Uh, as for me, I said we'd have a different winner for the sprint race than we would have for the race race. And I don't know. I was I was feeling good for a little bit, especially in the, the sprint race with rain coming and, you know, some, you know, hectic racing. But ultimately, Max just uh, needed some more hardware, I guess. He's running out of room in his trophy case. And my second prediction was that Alex Albon would score points. And man, man, I thought I had this wrapped up on Saturday. Alex was sitting there and, and just on the fringe of points and then, you know, qualified well, just lost some positions at the end, not pitting quite the right time for intermediate tires in the race. He was right on the fringe of points and, of course, picked up 10 seconds worth of penalties ultimately dooming him to no points so great and i said lewis would get a podium and lewis had one of his worst races of the year so i don't i think next week we swap back and uh i start predicting that max is going to win because i think my luck is like I, i i'm on the bad luck side of the coin you have the good luck side and i think we start putting max on my side and see if we can't shake things up a little bit true so again i i will tease that i have a plan to make sure that i don't always win three points just by picking max that i will actually cost myself some chance at a point by making my jinx something i'm going to keep sticking with but we'll tease that for another week yeah we've got got Um, a big race coming up silverstone it's a home race for 
three, four, four drivers, really, you know, between uh, Lewis, George, Lando, and uh, Alex is Thai British. So uh, it's the, you know, unofficial home of Formula One. It's, you know, one of the uh, crown jewel races of the season. Mercedes is banking on this next round of upgrades to be the most impactful yet and I think everyone's kind of hoping so whether or not you're a Mercedes fan or not you just want to see more competitive teams and drivers as possible I think even you know Max fans are starting to kind of tune out a little bit you know if, if your driver is not in jeopardy of losing and it's a Sunday afternoon you know, maybe I'll go mow the lawn and I'll just check in on the results, you know, because I think he's going to win anyway. I, I think there's got to be some jeopardy involved. Well, like when your car is like multiple seconds faster than other teams at some point, or you can always go faster by a significant pace, how much is you know, the driver? I mean, there's an excellent driver in that seat, but I mean, like, put Lewis in that Red Bull, put Fernando in that Red Bull, you know. Pick another guy you think is uh, an excellent top-notch driver, all things considered, and would he have similar results against the field, right? Um, and that's not to take anything away from Max, but it's like also for Max fans, they want to see Max beat these guys week to week because he's a better driver. Yeah, if, right? if I'm a if I'm a Max fan and watching this race, like you're not seeing Max. Max is 25 seconds up the road. We're taking a look at the battle between third and fourth. We're watching some guy battle. I don't want to say some guy, but, you know, we're, we're watching Alex and Esteban battle for the last points position because that's the closest battle on the track. If, if you're tuning in to these races to watch Max Verstappen, just watch Saturday qualifying because that's the time you're really going to be able to see him. Right. I mean, like, and what you're talking about here, too, is, like, with the last lap stuff, right? So many things can go wrong when you decide to go into the pits, right? Stuff happens. He didn't care. He wanted the point. He didn't need the point. He wanted the point. And, you know, you you, you get as many points as you can until you can't, I guess, right? Or until there's no reason not to. But I don't know if that's hubris. I don't know if that's just the such a belief in your team that you know nothing's going to happen. Um I mean, essentially the same thing in Spain where he wanted to go for the fastest lap at the end. And they were like, no, we don't want to risk it with like the track limits. There's no reason for you to push like this. It's like, well, what's what's Checo's time? I'm just going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And so like no harm, I guess. But but like, you know, for all you know, someone like Nick DeVries or Logan Sargent's coming in around the same time. Uh, to do something or they're whatever they're retiring their car or who knows and they get in your way it's not even your fault you know they somebody stupid runs into you you know who knows right Valtteri Bottas still has a pit stop going on from 2021 in Monaco they still haven't gotten that tire off the car right so I mean like there's so many things so I don't know if that's just like taking the victory lap while you're already on the track still um I don't know if that's just such an overwhelming confidence in your team to always shoot for the highest performance possible and it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. You're only worried about your own race. But it's to me, it's just not fun to watch. And again, I, I'm, don't, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a piece with Max. He's a good driver and I like to see him compete and compete well. But 
I, I had to learn nothing about Max other than he's a hell of a driver in a hell of a car. I, I learn. I'd like to see him. I mean, for fun, just put him in Checo's car. It looks like Checo's <laughs> car is apparently isn't as good as his. So put him in Checo's car. Let's just have him swap cars for a week and see if they get the same performance out of him. All right. Maybe we, uh, you know, kind of treat him like a, a toddler and we let him tucker himself out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm tired of winning. And then he then he goes and it tries a different discipline of racing. And then, you know, everyone who's racing now for second place, it's like they're racing for first. You, you take Max out of the championship, and you know we've got a pretty decent like championship battle. But uh, Max has got two hands on the trophy already. I aside from him retiring mid year, like there's no other outcome for the season. Well, this is the thing for me. It's not like football where, like, you know, you've locked up, you know, the number one overall seed for the playoffs. So you let your Aaron Rodgers and your, you know, Patrick Mahomes sit out, you know, a game or two and let the backups play because you don't want them to get them injured. It's not like that. It's like I was thinking, you know, maybe he he locks it up with a couple races ago and he says, you know, let Danny race. That's not going to happen, though, because... There's no incentive for him. He's 25. He's trying to rack up as many wins as possible to show he's the greatest of all time. So he's going to try to do that, right? Um, put it, 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 every race is a trophy, right? It's not like you know, it's not like a game. It's not like every game yeah. is a win. There's every no trophy, trophy for week 14, right? So this is one of those things where it's like he doesn't probably have to race the rest of the season at some point. It could be, and I, I would say at this point, it's not just the last race. It's probably multiple races uh, if he keeps his performance up. But you would like to think, oh, you know, in the spirit of teams that you would be able to, like, take advantage of that. You don't. You just you run him out there a few more times and see if he can win more races. Nothing wrong with that. It's just it's not like other sports. Well, I mean, sometimes you have a, uh, you know, 2007 Patriots Sometimes you have a Max Verstappen, and sometimes you have uh, 2021, where it's one of the greatest battles ever. So this cycle, it just happens to be a a team and a driver executing at their highest level at the same time. Yeah, and it's just depressing to think that I don't know (laughs) when Max is going to find that challenge. But... If there's any point to end on a depressing note, it's that, I guess. So, I will say, this has been another edition of the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. Uh, We will talk to you again uh, this week as we preview the British Grand Prix. And we will catch you next time across the line.